Mulder, look, Colton plays by the book and you don't. They feel your methods, your theories are... Spooky. It's still real to me, damn it! Hey, what's up? My name's Noelle, and I am a rich socialite who was captured and definitely 100% totally brainwashed. Hi, and I'm Chelsea. Uh, I am the fifth runner-up bitch at the Westminster Dog Show, winning <laughs> no categories and having irritable bowel syndrome <laughs> all over the place. Hello. Both of these things are connected. They are connected. Um, and that's that's the end of the show. You have to guess, <laughs> and that's it. So I... I let Chelsea know about mm, three hours ago that I was like, hey, are you back from Tahoe? Also, happy birthday. Thank you. And she was like, yep, yeah, I'm back. And I was like, cool. So I'm going to tell you about Patty Hearst. And I'm assuming you then took that into a little search engine. Yeah, I watched the <laughs> drunk history of Patty Hearst and part one of her interview with Larry King. And then I came here. Great. Yep. Good. So I was, so I've been reading um, Lady from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. And this is where it all fucking, whew, my life is a nightmare. I know. You, you kind of hit me with this out of the blue and I was quite surprised. Yeah. <laughs> so let's so, hear, let's hear why. This is, let me backtrack my schizophrenic brain into why we got here. Okay. And why I hurt so much emotionally right now. Okay. So I was reading lady from the black lagoon and it talks about how millicent patrick who created creature got her name from millicent hurst and specifically she like grew up on hurst castle and i was like hurst 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 why does that name sound familiar hurst Mm -hmm. castle like what is that it's william randolph hurst who is this publishing giant like one of the you could say like original american nobility in -hmm. a way He inherited or acquired the New York Journal and then bought the San Francisco Chronicle. And then he's known for being this, like, media mogul. Like, he got ahead of newspapers before people knew that that was going to be, like, the next best best thing. Mm -hmm. And not just with the news being portrayed accurately, but with this, like, journalism turn called yellow journalism, which is sensationalism and specifically kind of, like, the origins of clickbait like it went from talking about the news point blank facts only to opinion pieces um articles about crime sex death all that good stuff it's like ron burgundy too exactly when they just start streaming shit and everyone doesn't know what he's doing but the people love it yep they eat it up yep so also if like you have no idea who william randolph hearst is Google search Hearst Castle. When he died, he actually died pretty poor. That place is, it had like a zoo. It had two or three gigantic, like bigger than Olympic sized pools. Um, it's literally a fucking castle, but it was donated to the state of California. You can go visit it anytime you want. It was like a Neverland Ranch, but with less more murder rape. and less, less diddling. Yep. I mean, as far as we know, who knows? I'm still convinced yeah, everyone who's rich is a pedophile. Me too. Actually, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> They're not doing great, you know. Um, so that's where I learned about him. And then I was like, okay, I think, like, 
my subconscious is telling me that there's more to this name. And then, of course, I remembered, like, oh, Lydia Hurst. She's, like, this model and actress who's super beautiful and, like, kind of a monster girl herself. Mm-hmm. Um, married, I'm blank, Chris Hardwick, who does The Talking Dead and this other show that I'm blanking on. Anyway, but still I was like, there's more. Why is that name? Why can't I get that out of my brain? Mm-hmm. And then I think I remembered that drunk history episode. That was the kidnapping of Patty Hearst. And that's that's why we are here right now. Yep. Because this happened. And I feel like no one really knows about it. And I think part of that is wrapped into the story. Well, even Patty Hearst, the name sounds familiar, but it doesn't really ring a bell until you bring up Stockholm Syndrome. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, oh, that bitch who, like, mm-hmm. robbed the bank with yep. her captors. Yeah. And, like, the notorious pictures. I would say the Patty Hearst in a brown curly wig holding a machine gun is just as iconic as the Bonnie and Clyde yeah. pictures well, of her, like, with Tanya. the gun. Tanya. Yeah. Patanya. Tanya the gorilla. Patty Tanya. Batan. So, here I am, upset yeah. about all of this, and I want to know... Like, what, what, how, right? Why? Yeah. yeah. So she was kidnapped and then brainwashed and then she did some robberies. Yeah, she was in a closet. Yeah. For, for 57 days. Something like that. And then they would tell her things like, your parents are nerds, bitch. And she'd be like, <laughs> they are nerds, aren't they? Or uh, she would watch this um, SLA group. Is it SLA? Yeah, SLA. She, she would watch this SLA group on TV uh, get in shootouts with the cops and die. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the LAPD ain't fucking playing. Mm-hmm. And her captors would be like, look, like, the police are more likely to kill you than we are. And mm-hmm. then she just slowly started to buy into that, which yeah. leads you down the Stockholm Syndrome route. Mm-hmm. I have a bit... I have a bit of a, I have a thought, but I'll get there. So I I'm too gonna, have thoughts. I have many opinions. thoughts. So um, another thing, uh, her, so Patty Hearst, her granddad, her granddad is William Randolph Hearst, the guy who created or owned the New York Journal and the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, he also created Hearst Communications. He began to buy up media across the country. So not only did he own the two biggest um, newspapers in the world or country at the time, he was buying up all the little ones in between with bigger cities as well. And he single-handedly this is not extrapolation <laughs> drove every corpse to the mortuary <laughs> after they died. Thank you for acknowledging that as well servicers. Also, Citizen Kane was written about him. So, here we are. Oh. Patty's father, Randolph Apperson Hurst treated her most like a son. They went fishing, hunting, hiking. Her mom was a Southern belle and a pretty outspoken elitist mm-hmm. and classist yeah. in the worst ways possible. Yeah. Like a great a, a great a conte is yeah. what they call that. A conte. Conte. A conte. <laughs> she was a cunt. <laughs> a cunt, eh? Is that Australian or is that Cockney? You nailed it, dude. You did it? I know. I'm really good at. I'm really good at everything. <laughs> so her mom's a fucking cunt, and um, Patty was in constant rebellion against her, and she was getting kicked out of convent schools 
up until she ended up at Berkeley University, which this is all going to tie in. I have a plan. Watch mm-hmm. me tie it together. Well, I'm ready. So Berkeley is in the Bay Area of California. We'll just refer to the Bay Area mostly as like San Francisco, but just Bay Area in the 60s and 70s of California was very radical change needs radical methods. If you wanted to change the world, you went to Berkeley, the university. It mm-hmm. was a campus, not just for like intellectuals and students, but like free thinkers and beatniks in a way. Yeah. You know, that's where you first learned about like Chomsky, yeah. you know, was at Berkeley. It became the hub for young people who wanted a new American future. The country was barely coping with civil rights when the anti-war movement gained momentum, which is also kind of like crazy. When I put things on a timeline perspective, when all this was happening, like we went civil rights movement, Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. Just we were not ready. No one was ready. Everyone was protesting, trying to gain political power and becoming aware of social justice issues, which is kind of cool. But also this is... I think this is more of a story when social justice issues go so far left, they become right, which is, I kind of think, what we're doing now as well. Yeah, with, like, uh, radicalized Antifa movements and exactly. things like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, don't mind me, we're also drinking White Claw during yeah, this no. episode. <laughs> Not, I wish this was sponsored. Sponsored by what White is, Claw. What is, some, like, ain't no law with White Claw. Ain't, ain't no know. laws with the claws. <laughs> yeah. Um, fuck my life. (laughs) So, by the 70s, there was... So, like, 60s was more your fucking third eyes opening. 70s is more like, fuck this shit, anger and violence. Thousands of political bombings in the United States every year. Yeah. Very much so. We get, like, two a year now. Yeah. This was as close to a revolutionary situation that we've like come to since gaining our fucking independence. Yeah. Um one of the SLA members who we've briefly brought up but I'll go into more in a second said, "You can only get beat by the cops so many times till you decide that you've had enough and need to do more." And this was kind of like his statement on becoming more radical. Mm-hmm. And that not that's not radical as in like <laughs> sick waves I'm surfing. That's yeah. radical as in like um I and learning how to make a bomb. So the idea that there should be an armed revolution that needs to overthrow the government was pretty... It wasn't just like a hushed whisper. It was kind of like the pulse of this young nation. Mm-hmm. Like this new, young, developing political movement. And just a side note here. I was telling Chelsea this. Literally the same... Around the same year that Anarchist Cookbook came out in 1971. So like this is all lining up. Like... The 60s were opening your third eye with LSD and becoming aware of social justice issues and inequalities. And the 70s was very like, we tried peace and love and now we have a fucking war. So we fight war with war. Right. Um, violent attacks and protests became more common, not just in conversation, but in the news in like the political bombings happening all the time was fucking mm-hmm. real. Um, Not only did the anarchist cookbook teach you how to make LSD, but it also taught you how to make homemade pipe bombs. Yeah, which I personally like. Think's a great combination. (laughs) Do both. Like, do LSD and then be the bomb. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't do. I don't. I've never done LSD, so I don't know. It's like I don't think I would do well on LSD. I think I'm too paranoid. That's what I'm saying. 
oh, do I have a story for you. I don't know if I can say it on here. You should. I'm probably going to. Um, I may or may not have accidentally had an edible at work. At may or may not be this current job or not. I cannot confirm or deny. Confirm nor deny. This is conjecture. Yeah. But I didn't realize that I had done that. I just thought that I was eating a vegan treat that a friend was sharing from me that happened to be from Denver, Colorado. You've always been real stupid, girl. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I don't know if you've ever had an edible high when you don't know that you're high and you think you're having a fucking heart attack. And it hit me like a goddamn freight train. I may or may not have been on the phone. (laughs) And it just slapped me. (laughs) Right in the fucking face, dude. What happened? So, can can I tell my edible story real quick? Okay, I'm so sorry everyone about who's here for Patty. Uh, (laughs) I went to a concert with Oliver. Mm -hmm. And it was Uncle Acid. I don't don't know who that is. Well, just, that's all you need to know. Is that your friend? Uncle Acid. And... I see my derby coach there. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, oh, do you want an edible? And I was like, yeah. And then his friend is like, oh, they're really strong. And I've done edibles before, and they don't really affect me, except mm-hmm. for give me horrible dry mouth. Uh, but at the time, I was kind of drunk, and my jaw was hurting. And I was like, hell yeah, maybe I'll take the edge off. Mm-hmm. So I take this edible, and I'm standing there, and it kicks in when Oliver comes up behind me, and he puts his arm around me, not in like... Like, around my neck, but, like, how boy your boyfriend does it. Uh-huh. And then he kind of flexed his where, arm. Where he chokes me out until I don't <laughs> yeah. see the last day. Is he, he flexed his arm, like, and I thought he was trying to kill me. And I was like, <laughs> I call a fucking Uber, leave him at the concert, and I sit in the front fucking seat. Like a I, maniac. I put my arm on this poor guy's shoulder, and I'm like, hey, man. And I just look at him the whole way home, this poor Uber driver. I find out the next day... It was a hundred milligram medical edible. Jesus Christ. I. You went on a journey. <laughs> At Uncle Acid. Like, just look up, but like, not a good place. Not a good and place. I'm to already like. Fucking mind. Yeah, and I'm already a paranoid person. Like, my back was itchy today, and I thought spiders were in my shirt, so I changed my Naturally. outfit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, nothing crazy there. Completely sound of <laughs> yeah. mental health. But, uh, yeah, edibles, when they kick in, they hit you like a son of a bitch. Dude, it was like, and I was just looking around like, oh, shit. (laughs) In the shows where people are freaking out, but they have, like, the camera mounted to the actor's face. So it's, like, perfectly following up. Like, fucking fear and loathing in Las Vegas, backcountry bullshit. Mm -hmm. I was losing my mind. I was starting to look up, like, how to not be high. lasts forever (laughs) is this what it's gonna be like forever it's like step one don't freak out and i'm just like (laughs) (laughs) oh my and i just like look over and i was paranoid in the way that i was like the funny dumb stereotypical stoner way that you're like Everyone knows I'm yeah, right. I just like look over it and I like my coworker Brenda, who may or may not work with me, that may or may not be her name, looks at me and I just start laughing hysterically. She's like, Are you okay? And then I just like type out to her. I was like, I'm so fucking high right now. <laughs> I could not get my fucking shit together. 
thank God I may or may not have been sent home early because we were so slow. I was like praying, man. I was praying to every god yeah. in existence, like, let me fucking go home. I sat in my car with like a thing of french fries in my hand. It's like, please make me not high anymore. Like, please. Oh my God. People, okay, you want to know the worst? Yeah. People were like trying to make me do math. Like, people were calling <laughs> You can't do math sober, bitch. <laughs> I fucking know. Imagine, imagine being on fucking Mars, okay? You, you're fucking, you're Dr. Manhattan, and you're, yeah. like, on another fucking planet, and you're blue, and you're high, and you're naked. Yeah, just dick swinging. Just dick like, out. Your dick is out. And U.S. flag on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> that may or may not be there. It may or may not. It's totally not. So your dick is out, and you're blue, and you're high, and you're on another planet, and then you, the phone rings, and you pick it up out of the sky, and then this person screaming at you because they're like... I'm missing $25,372.16. And if I have 6% off it, and you're just like, oh, oh, just, oh, oh. God. <laughs> I could not even, I would just like put them on hold and feel my heart beating out of my chest. Like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> so anyway, that may or may not have happened. Yeah. Anyway, don't do edibles and go to work. That's like, right. don't. Here's the other thing. If you want to do edibles and go to work and, like, you have that under control and you know what you're doing, awesome, great. Don't be so out of it and snack hungry that when your friend is clearly trying to tell you that what they're giving you is drugs and you're like, oh, it's from Denver? Oh, do they have, like, a vegan candy place there? And she's like, uh-huh. And you're like, does this have drugs in it? And they go, I sure fucking hope so. And when they say that... No, they're not being sarcastic. They're trying to tell you in a casual way that those are drugs. Yeah. And I just popped that shit in my mouth. I watched her eyes, like, widen. Like, she was looking at God when I just popped the whole thing in my yeah, The whole watching, thing. She was watching a mistake. That's she was. Happening. She like, was. The glazed the over terror of just oh, shit. shenanigans. She too, did too. not get the memo. Girl. So, anyway... What a struggle the last yeah. 24 hours have been for me. Oh, this was in the last 24 hours? <laughs> <laughs> now you know why that we're also here. Explained your fever dream of just texting me about Patty Hearst out of the blue. <laughs> I was like, man, I've got to crack the code, man. I'm gonna crack. <laughs> we're going to solve this shit. Anyway, <laughs> that may or may not have happened. That was totally a made-up story, completely not based in my total reality. Right. <laughs> Okay. Um, right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking god, I hate my life. So anyway, the violent attacks and protests became more common in conversation as the only way you can ramp up the response to police presence. Also, that's Apollo heavy breathing, not me being high. <laughs> so anyway, back to Patty. Patty started hanging out, hanging out around Berkeley when she was 15 or 16 years old. Also, side note here, um, have you ever heard of Marie Antoinette pretending to be poor? Yes. Okay, cool. For those who don't, uh, Marie Antoinette was so bored with her money and tired of social pressure that she spent a fuck ton of money creating what she thought was a perfect little peasant village. Keep in mind that France was starving to death at this time. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, that little thing. Les Mis, if you ever fucking seen it. <laughs> little, little boy dying. <laughs> <laughs> So, 
She and a few of her friends would dress up as milkmaids or sheep herders and cosplay being poor. Yeah, she was pulling a motherfucking Jasmine from Aladdin. Yeah. Going out into the town, stealing shit that she could clearly fucking afford. Mm-hmm. Dumb bitch, I'm sick of it. Yeah, sick of it. I'm real mad about it. But picture, not only is she, she's not, Jasmine is better because Jasmine was going into the real city with real right. middle class, True. lower class. True. Marie Antoinette straight up said, like, I don't want to, like, be around that, but I'm going to, like, replicate it in my yeah. own version. Anyway, so the the thought here, why I wanted to put this here, just so we can all remember up top, is that sometimes very rich, young, dumb white women do dumb Caucasian things, like yeah. build a fake peasant village to pretend to be poor in because being rich is too stressful yeah so remember that just it's kind of like she's like having fun like this is her version of playing house or pretending to be a veterinarian it's the same uh when people pop off on the internet for any minor social transgression it's just the white women couch activism right but then if they paper tigers yeah so then they made an actual like anything. I don't know. I'm gonna go off on a tangent. Uh, but she was playing house. Exactly. Yeah. She was playing house. I definitely think that's why I wanted to put this here. I think that Patty Hearst was hanging around Berkeley, which was this hub of leftist thinkers and like philanthropists and kind of social justice warriors in their infancy mm-hmm. and kind of the the starting point of the civil rights movement as an intellectual thing to understand and cope with and deal with. She was hanging out there. I don't think because she wanted to be a part of it, but because she wanted to cosplay being oh yeah a fucking beatnik. Tale is old as time. It's a safe way to rebel from your parents by hanging out at a college. Yeah. It's like the same when people go to like Barcelona and they come back and they wear elephant pants and they call it Barcelona. It's just... <laughs> Like, <laughs> you feel me though? It's Dude, like, I feel you so hard. That it's was like, so targeted. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's seriously like, oh, all of us know this person. Yeah, you had your eat, pray, love, and now you're back working yeah. as a secretary at yeah. that, the dental it's clinic. It's the rich kids who went off after high school, and then they fluffed their Instagrams with all of their travels, and now they're back, and yeah. they're on a yogi studio. Yeah, well, I, I genuinely think that's a big part of it. Like, all of these... There's a kind of a new conversation, but in the same vein, where it's like, these aren't, our current day entrepreneurs aren't like free thinkers. They're trust fund babies with safety nets. Yeah. And that's what Patty Hearst was. Absolutely. She could go cosplay a like radicalized leftist terrorist group or like educated social justice advocate (laughs) But really, she was a rich white girl mm-hmm. who came from essentially American royalty yeah. and wanted to throw the middle finger to her mother who told her to be a Southern Belle. Yeah. It was just the equivalent of cutting cutting your hair off and smoking yeah, cigarettes. Exactly. So, while at Berkeley, Patty met a professor named Steve. He was 23 and she was 16, potentially 15. Again, remember when I said the rich and powerful all being pedophiles. Right. Steve claimed it was Patty who targeted him for romance, not <laughs> the other way around. Yeah, you know. She wanted the rape. You know how that is. She wanted the kid diddling because I'm a fucking adult and she's a child. Anyway. Right. He definitely wasn't using his um, power 
and yeah, he tried. He pulled a Charles Manson on her by mm-hmm. just being an old hippie yep. at college, mm-hmm. wanting young women to mold. Um, she showed up to it. He says she showed up to his classes at Berkeley, then his house. Fast forward, she moved in with him when she was eighteen. This pissed off her mom more than anything. So pause here. Let's go back to the SLA. So the SLA or the Symbionese Liberation Army, by the way, that's a made up fucking word. Yeet is in the dictionary, but that one is not. Just a fun fact. Looked that up last night. Um, Defined as an American left wing terrorist organization and a vanguard army active from 1973 to 1975, SLA forms a blend of prison and university movement. Students and teacher activists were going to the prisons more frequently to help with education and etc. Like the closest one to Berkeley was Vacaville. Um, the prison movement of the Bay Area was simple. Prison is racism, oppression of poor people, violence, mass incarceration, and we deal with poverty by locking them up. So cool programs were happening where, um, like the Berkeley experiment, where they were sending in students and professors to prisons to teach prisoners not just basic education, but their mm-hmm. rights as well. And a thing that I was surprised about looking at the SLA is I had never put any like a face to any of these members. Um, and Donald, the guy in charge was a person of color. Yeah. But the other ones were also like baby royalty. Mm-hmm. They were white people coming from son of a physician and um, like these high upper middle class college students. These weren't the target market for who are normally oppressed and experience issues of racism. It's yeah. again, upper middle class mm-hmm. to wealthy white Berkeley students yep. getting involved in this. Yep. So Donald DeFries, um, we're going to talk about him for a moment. He was in and out of prison his whole life. Um, he specifically had this longer stay because he beat up a sex worker, stole a check from her and tried to cash it and got caught. Um, he is considered the like father of the SLA, but it was him and two girls who kind of created it together. He was the only person of color in the SLA. <clears throat> In his manifesto, Simonese Liberation Army Declaration of Revolutionary War and the Simonese Program, you know, that catchy little number, yeah. um, Donald DeFries wrote, the name Simonese is taken from the word symbiosis, and we define its meaning as... <laughs> Did you say symbiosis? Symbiosis. You mean symbiosis? 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 You know I can't read. You know, syllables are hard. <laughs> <laughs> Bosses is fucking weird. And we define its meaning as a body of dissimilar bodies and organisms living in deep and loving harmony and partnership in the best interest of all within the body. Did you get that? (laughs) 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 So he describes the unity of all left-wing struggles, feminist, anti-racist, anti-capitalist, and others. He wanted all races, genders, and ages to fight together in a left-wing united front and live together peacefully. DeFries was the SLA's only black member. Also, they had, uh, like most fucking loser organizations, they had, uh, what would you call that? Like a symbol? Like a logo? Yeah. Like a Pepsi can? (laughs) Yeah. Or the WWF? It was a seven-headed Hydra Cobra. I know. And they were the seven principles, unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, purpose, creativity, and faith. It's almost as if the Hydra represents some sort of 
terrible political movement that represents Nazism. But how ironic that they would do the snake. Also, fucking snake, that's a symbol of Illuminati bullshit. So really, they were just becoming the man that they wanted to hate. How do you... Yeah. Do you want to know why? Because a snake fucking tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden Mm -hmm. and the Illuminati notoriously hate Jesus. Notoriously. Watch that on the Lindsay Lohan (laughs) MK Ultra video that I somehow fell into today. Bitch, what? Yeah. (laughs) Lindsay Lohan? (laughs) What? I I somehow fell into a Lindsay Lohan Illuminati video today. Can you uh, summarize that real quick for me? (laughs) It's, uh, uh, like, the reason why she kind of flew off the handle Uh was because she defied her handler. Yeah. And then recently she got punched by a Syrian refugee. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she did. Because she thought they were trying to uh, kidnap kidnap their own children. Yeah. And then it went into other things like how... uh, Did it explain why she has seven different accents in one? Yeah, the fucking Illuminati! (laughs) Attention! (laughs) She's the modern Tower of Babel. That's why. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) You're here first. <laughs> but and then they were talking about how you always see snakes in Hollywood. Yeah, literal because, and metaphorical. <laughs> dude, there were snakes at the the award the thing last the thing the what uh, the VMAs? VMAs was it the VMAs? Yeah, VMAs were last night. Yeah, and the there snakes, were snakes. Where? I don't know. Just like out in there. Yeah, around Slytherin, like yeah, alive? fucking Malfoys all up and down. Yeah, look it up. Uh, Google it. There were actual snakes there. I believe it. Britney Spears had a snake around her yeah. neck during the VMAs. And then there was another, there were two other girls there who had a snake. Yeah. And Taylor Swift was there. Taylor she was Swift. a snake. Yeah. No, bitch. <laughs> Taylor's part of it. It goes all the way to the top. She had a fucking cobra, like a giant cobra come out of one of her things. And then the, the towers and then like the light formed a pyramid, fucking Illuminati pyramid. Do you feel like at this point they're just like really leaning into it? In a fun way. You know, I don't know. Uh, probably. I also think that uh, shapes like triangles are common, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with like geometry and what have you. Uh, going to a lot of places. sacred geometry? a lot of places. Are you going sacred geometry? Left-hand path magic? Yeah, I'm starting the sentence. I am lost and i'm hoping that anything i learned today will lead me out of it and i'm just going deeper and deeper into the confusion and then i think this is when i thought i had spiders in my shirt and i had to change you it. know what that all seems about right <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay uh, so <laughs> speaking of the illuminati <laughs> The inner poorly woven together fabrics of our brains are really showing right now, and it is troubling. <laughs> so uh, another guy in the SLA, uh, Willie Wolf. This is back to that upper middle or upper upper middle or high upper. Yeah. Um, he went to Berkeley to become an archaeologist. Bad choice. What? Yeah. Didn't you try to do some? Sh- What's your fake college degree? <laughs> anthropology. Anthropology. And psychology. Yeah. Well, you know. Chelsea just thinking she could go to a four-year and get a good job in a future. You know, my parents told me that if I went to college, doors would open for me. But what they forgot to say is if you get a STEM degree, doors mm-hmm. open for you. Yeah, yeah. I My dad missed that one as well. Yeah. He was like, if you don't go to college, you're a failure. Transcendental literature. And then every job was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, buddy. 
Oh, yeah. you want to write his poems? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Walden Lake. Oh, what? Um, oh anyway. So oh, I'm sad. <laughs> so much. I'm still paying it off. Anyway. Um, so he went to Berkeley to become an archaeologist in the process, completely left that, got radicalized, went to the prison to teach and befriended DeFreeze. DeFreeze broke out of prison. Kind of fun. This is Yeah, back when prison was easy to break out of. Um, He met up with his Berkeley friends, specifically a woman. She goes by the name of Ms. Moon and Nancy. They move in with him, and together the three of them start the SLA. So now, the first crime of the SLA. November, and this is where everything, this, this right here, no, okay. Before this, I kind of thought that the SLA was onto something, right? I'm like, I, I would probably be in that group. Yeah. They want equality of the races, genders, and classes. Yeah, and uh, uprisings are just the voice of the oppressed. Right? Like, I get that. Yeah. I'm here with it. I would also be at Everybody Berkeley. loves an underdog. Absolutely. Yeah. This is where they just shoot themselves in the foot and just call it like it is, and we yeah. remember that DeFreeze beat the shit out of a sex worker, and that's why we're here. Right. Right? So... November 1973, Oakland, California. DeFreeze sees the news reports on the Oakland schools. Marcus Foster, the superintendent, is trying to have a police presence in schools as well as a student ID system. Although Foster had been the first black school superintendent in the history of Oakland, the SLA had condemned him for his supposed plan to introduce identification cards into Oakland schools, calling him a fascist. In fact, Foster had opposed the use of the identification cards in his schools, and his plan was a watered-down version of other proposals. November 6th, 1973, two members of the SLA killed Marcus Foster and badly wounded his deputy, Robert Blackburn. As the two men left an Oakland school board meeting, the hollow-point bullets they used to kill Marcus Foster had also been packed with cyanide, which is just... A move. <laughs> Literal overkill. <laughs> exactly. Kill you and then kill you. Why uh why are identifying like cards such a hot topic to these people? Well, they wanted to be known. So the next day the SLA took credit for the Foster for Foster's murder in a pol- in a press release saying the only means left for us to end the genocidal school programs. So like but why? Why wh- school ID cards? Why was that what they were willing to kill over? I think it was um, not they they wanted police presence in schools, which I mean, now looking at our mass shooting problem seems kind of reasonable. Yeah, I don't know if the the identification process to me, school identification process seems like a way for poor kids to get free lunches um, and like on the DL, you know, because like that's how they did it at my school. Yeah, everyone um, like put their card. Oh, I still have my card number memorized. Yeah. One oh nine seven five one three. Go use it. See if you can get a free pizza. Probably not. Where did you go to high school? Leighton High. Go to Leighton High. Try to get a pizza with that. Yeah. They probably reuse that number. But I remember, uh, yeah, kids would get discounted lunches or free lunches. Or free lunch, Or my mom would load money onto my card. Exactly. And that was just how it was. It was like a baby credit card for school lunches. Yeah. And that's also a way for people to not see if you're struggling for food because it didn't matter if you were getting discounted or free or if your parents had put or your guardians had put money on the card. You were just swiping a card and getting food. Yeah, and you'd tell, or you'd tell the lunch lady the number she'd entered in, and you'd go through. Yeah. Easy peasy. Yeah. Or, like, you would uh, enter in your card number when you were taking, like, the online tests or whatever. Mm-hmm. And or then, checking out a book. Like, it was... Yeah. I, I think it would remove the racism. Right? Because it's your, you're just a, a, number. Your number. Yeah. That's what I think of this. 
I don't know if this was some weird technology that was in a, in the similar way of like the whole Hong Kong protests and facial recognition, yeah. facial recognition ID, but I don't think that's what it's was happening. Biblical, right? When they're like, oh, they'll put the number of the beast on you, right? Like, I don't, it. I don't think that that's what was happening in the fucking seventies in Berkeley. I genuinely think that they wanted to give kids IDs in school, and these guys are just fucking whack jobs. So right. anyway, that happened. So back to Patty. February 4th, 1974. At this point, she's an 18-year-old college sophomore at Berkeley. Steve and Patty, remember the pedophile boyfriend? Yeah. Slash professor. Um, Steve and Patty had just finished having dinner when a woman knocked at the door asking to use the phone, saying that there was a car accident. At this moment, two men pushed through the door. They beat the shit out of Steve. Patty had a gun to her face. She was tied up, blindfolded, and gagged. The kidnapping occurred less than three months after a November 1973 San Francisco Chronicle story in the society section announcing that Hearst and Steve were going to get married. And in that, their apartment address was given, which is... Rookie mistake. Right? It's like when you used to be able to go to the DMV. You could, like, get all the information that you need on the Right? For like you could just look up fee. in the yellow pages. Yeah. Like, oh, I know this person's last name is that. Yeah. Oh, look, and there's their home address and phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, they demanded the safe and money. Um, Steve was getting beat with a wine bottle when he got up bloody and ran screaming. He assumed that it was just a robbery gone bad. He was screaming like through the halls of the apartment complex and made it over to a neighbor's house. He's just <laughs> like a Pomeranian. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, his girlfriend is literally getting kidnapped, but yeah. you know. Uh, I don't. That happens. Pedophiles aren't that noble. I don't think they are, or brave, no. or smart. They scream like a Pomeranian. Exactly. Was that a good scream? That was ah! really good. Ah! They're taking my baby, my child bride. <laughs> uh, she was aging out for him anyway. Yeah, he probably <laughs> was glad to have her out the door, right? Yeah. So why target Hearst? I mean, if we want to. Think of them as this sophisticated, intelligent organization that is tactical with their attacks, then sure. The Hearst were American nobility, and they controlled a lot of the media, and they had their hands deep in the pockets of most politicians. Mm-hmm. I mean, fast forward to what happens to Patty Hearst later, you'll know why. Um, they were political and epic economic powerhouse and they originated propaganda mm-hmm. so sure they're the perfect choice exactly and she was just in at berkeley yeah free for the taken exactly oh and in the socialite section congratulating their engagement she puts her fucking address awesome rookie move right but i don't think that the sla was like that sophisticated in that they thought that it was a political stance by attacking the Hearst family. I think that they just knew of a rich girl at a school. Yeah. Who was slumming it. Yeah. That's I what I think. I think now looking back on it, we kind of fluff it up and make them seem more intelligent than they were. But, you know, whatever. So, Patty's been kidnapped. And they start making demands specifically for like some of their friends to be released they kind of know that that's not going to happen so then and this is back to like where the sla kind of like does these kind of cool things yeah 
they de- instead of um, a ransom, they demand food distribution programs. Yeah, they were like a cooler Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Like they were literally stealing from the rich. They were stealing the rich. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah. Stealing the rich. And, and not to like, you know, shit on what Patty went through, but she was locked in a closet, which is scary. And like the, tr- the psychological trauma, but her dad was like, nah, not going to do it. Yeah. And that would be, I don't know. Don't you think that would be so much worse? Well, so that's, that's essentially the, if you want to believe that Patty Hearst was brainwashed, you can believe that. Or you can believe that she willingly started to play house and then started to feel betrayed by her own family and, you know, like kind of picked a side kind of of her own free will, kind of. I think above all else that Patty Hearst is a survivor in the mm-hmm. sense that she doesn't survive by heroics, like what we want, tend to want to think survivors are. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't um, survive by being like a helpless victim like we sometimes see in movies. Yeah. She survives by being a chameleon and she fucking adapted. I and agree. And she adapted to this scenario where she was like, oh, fuck, my dad's not going to help me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help myself. And yeah. I don't... Stockholm Syndrome is really fun. Mm-hmm. I don't... I mean, I only have a minor in psychology Thank you. Um, <laughs> from Weaver State, but uh, I think that, if anything, Patty Hearst was just a survivor. Yeah. Whether that's Stockholm Syndrome or not, mm-hmm. I think that bitch just adapted to circumstances. I agree. So, they request a food distribution program. Her dad originally says, it's out of my hands. Mm-hmm. She's fucking pissed. They eventually start one, and it's a disaster. Like, the idea is nice. They start trying to distribute food to impoverished communities, Mm -hmm. and they're literally just, like, throwing food out of moving vans. Yeah. Into crowds of people. Naturally, violence occurs, and Mm -hmm. they have to stop. Um, But they did try to do a community coalition, between the Western, what is it? The Western Edition Project Area Committee to start a food distribution program. And 100,000 bags of groceries were handed out at 16 locations across four countries between February 26th and the end of March because of this. And Patty comes out in another statement. So she keeps like calling in, right? Yeah. She calls in and she's like, mom, dad, they're not hurting me. Um, but I need you to just do what they say, not get crazy. I need you to follow their demands so I won't be harmed, give the food to the needy. And then she started, she did like a few other messages and she started to become like more, I want to say sassy. In one of the messages, she says, tell mom to take off the black dress. It's not helping. So in all of the news coverage her mom was wearing all black like she was in mourning yeah patty calls her out on it um in one of the messages her dad says or she says you said it was out of your hands you should have said that you washed your hands yeah and i think this and like to be fair her dad he wasn't in control of his money he was smart yeah. enough to know that that was a bad business move and he started to lose money with the Hearst Castle. Mm-hmm. So he put like all of his money into 
a million other hands. So there were 10,000 yeah. other channels that had to go through before any money could be pushed. I think that they thought the Hearst family had access to more funds than they really did. Yeah. It's like when, I don't know how uh, disposable income works, mm-hmm. but I like to think that it just gets tied up in stocks and bonds and other sexy things like that. Right? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. You have to get 10 other white men's approval before you can have $10,000 type of thing. Yeah. Um. So at this point, the SLA turns to Patty and says, you're no longer a prisoner. It's your choice. So four months into her capture, her message to her parents and the media is, I've chosen to stay and fight. I've been given the name Tanya. Which I... Tanya the gorilla. Uh, if I was, like, hanging out with these people and you had, like, Ms. Moon, like, cool names like that, and mm-hmm. then they're like, you could be Tanya, I would feel miffed. I mean, I agree. Tanya's just a white trash name. I just think of Tanya Harding. Yeah, me too. Skater. Exactly. White trash name. So I think we're going to stop here because the next half of the story is Patty Hearst becoming Tanya the Gorilla, becoming a radicalized bank robber and terrorist, urban terrorist. Yeah. Um, which is kind of fun. It sounds sexy. Mm -hmm. sounds appealing. It's kind of fun. And that's another thing. If you guys happen to look through um, any of the Patty Hearst biopics or her um, biography that she came out with, her autobiography she came out with, um, the next part of the story, which is the most captivating, which is that the picture of her with the gun and the brown wig um, being completely compliant in shootouts and robberies and murder. Mm -hmm. Um, and also petty crime. She was trying to put bombs under cop cars. Like she was out here doing the damn thing. She doesn't talk about this. No. At all. No. And there's footage and photos. Right. And she refuses to acknowledge that this part happened. Right. Because I think it doesn't match her story. It doesn't fit the image of victim. No. Not at all. And she also talks about um, being raped and assaulted by her captors when other evidence would prove of a romantic relationship, like, mutually. I don't think in a fun way. I think in a chameleon-adaptable way. But I think that, like, they had um, love letters and trinkets. Like, they had matching little, these little, like, charm things. Mm -hmm. Um. And, you know, she says you wouldn't say you wouldn't call your rapist a lover. But then the person says you wouldn't hold on to trinkets and love letters from your rapist. Yeah. Like you're lo- like a love locket. Yeah. It gets this little stone that they both have. And it was in her purse the day that she was captured. So anyway, there's this is where the story kind of veers off into facts and what happened and what she admits. It truly definitely happened. gets more controversial because she's not the perfect victim. No. And it's like... It's hard to be like, well, was she raped? Was she not? What is the perfect, like, mm-hmm. what what did she do to deviate from that? But it's yeah. the evidence and her testimony and the testimony of everyone else around her paints her in a not-so-good light. Because mm-hmm. looking at this, I was like, oh, yeah, the Stockholm Syndrome bitch. But I'm like, oh, fuck, she was free 
from the SLA for a whole year? Yeah. For a whole year? Doing yeah. her own thing? Yeah. She was know. with them for a year and a half. She was free for a year. Yeah. So there's a lot more, there's there's a lot a, more yeah. to it. There's a lot more to it. And I I definitely think that there's a level of like, you shouldn't make victims relive the crimes, but she has never said anything yeah. in regards to any of the actual violence that she was a part of. Even when she was on the stand, she was answering questions like, uh, and the moment they brought up the robberies and the shooting, she pleaded the fifth, which in front of a jury is a little yeah rough. You're, you're willing to talk about everything up until here. The part yeah. where we're asking you about committing crimes right. willingly. Right. You know, that's a little rough. It's a little rough. Do I think that like she probably was getting into relationships with these people to save herself? Yes. Do I think that she was the perfect victim in all of this who should have been exonerated like she was with a presidential pardon? No. So we'll we'll pick that up next week. Next week? Yeah. We're going to do a two-parter? Yeah. Oh. Welcome to the two-parter, bitch. Welcome to the two-parter, bitch. I thought we were just going to pause and I was going to go pee and come back. Nope. We're doing a two-parter. You have two to wait a whole motherfucking week. Yeah. I mean, we could probably do this in the next few days while it's fresh, but they won't hear it for yeah, another no. week. So, get wrecked, everybody. And, um, get, hail Satan. Hey, get wrecked on dogs. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Get wrecked on and dogs. And water. Yeah. Get, stay hydrated. Also, um, the graphic novel book club, Paper Girls. Yeah. At the, uh, end of September-ish. Perfect. End of September-ish. I am, Check it out on Facebook. You know, I've been real grouchy lately. I feel that. And uh, I choose to not remember things that are helpful anymore. Good. So fucking look it up. Good. I'm look not it up. I'm tell you. You know what? Look it up. Also, look up Murder of Crows. We haven't talked about her in a minute. Casey Roy is amazing. Get tattooed by her. This is me doing ads that I haven't done in like two months. I'm really holding it together. Of course, we're going to be at Salt Lake Fanex. I do have some news. Um, about my Millicent Patrick panel, but that is for Patreon because a paywall needs to get in the way of me talking shit. Uh, You might notice if you go look at the panels now, that panel no longer exists. (gasps) Yep. Why? Oh, I'll tell you when the mic's off. Okay, everybody, go support us everywhere. (laughs) Bye. Bye.